This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to watch today. We want you to continue to watch as we're going to be talking about some things of no comparison in a previous lesson, we talked about the book that has no comparison, and that's the Bible. Today, we want to continue to talk about that same type of theme. The second thing we want to talk about today is of no comparison. There is no comparison. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Well, know your Bible. We offer a free Bible correspondence course, and you may wonder, well, why do you do that? It's in order that you might get to know your Bible. We want you to understand it. We want people everywhere to understand it. I want to understand it. Everyone needs to understand it. And it is understandable. Jesus in John 8, 32 said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we can understand the Bible. But this is simply a way of studying the Bible at home in a very systematic way, and if you'll call for the Bible course today, we'll send it to you free of charge. And I know sometimes people call and they say, now, there's, well, what does this cost? And I, I want to emphasize that it is free. Absolutely no charge to you. All you have to do is just follow the directions we're going to give in a moment, and you can have the free Bible correspondence course. So that you might know more about the course itself and how to receive it, we'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free one 877 in Isaiah, the 46th chapter, in verse 5, we have these words written by the prophet. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? In a previous lesson, we talked about things that in which we make comparisons day in and day out. We, we go to buy something and we make comparisons. For example, buying our groceries, we make comparisons. We compare the quality of the food, the price of the food. We buy an automobile. We buy a house. We buy clothes. We're making comparisons. When it gets time for you to find someone with whom you plan to spend the rest of your life, you, you had better make some comparisons. And so... We're accustomed to doing that in life, but, but there are just some things that are beyond comparison. For example, it's very difficult to, to compare a, a candle with a sun. It's very difficult to compare one tiny grain of sand with, the, with a mountain. It's very difficult to compare one drop of water with a mighty ocean. Those are things that are very difficult to make a comparison between. 
but there are some things that are beyond comparison. For example, we have noted previously that there's no book that can compare with the Bible. The Bible is God's book. And when we think about the origin of the Bible, we noted that it is inspired of God. We noted the effect of the Bible, that it is powerful. The Word of God is quick and powerful, according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. We also noted in a previous lesson that the Bible is influential in the lives of men. Just suppose we were to remove from civilization today all effects and influence of the Bible. It would be a totally different world because the Bible has been so influential in civilization. And then there is the unity of the Bible. The Bible is a unit. It, it, it is in harmony and agreement from one end of it to the other. But, but there's something else in which there is no comparison. And that's God Himself. There is no God like the God of the Bible. There is no God like the, the God of heaven and earth. There's just no God like Jehovah God. Back in Isaiah, the 45th chapter, beginning in the 7th verse, listen to what the prophet wrote about God. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Think about that. I am the Lord, there is none else. There is no God beside me. In those days, men made idols of stone. They made them of gold or some other metal. They would bow themselves down to those idols. You remember when the children of Israel asked Aaron to build a golden calf. They, they wanted to worship that calf. So men have always had a tendency to bow down to, to some idol. But God hears through the prophet said, There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that, they, that thou, they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Now listen in verse number 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now I want you to look in the 18th verse of this same chapter, Isaiah chapter 45. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Folks, there's just no God like the God of the Bible. And God made heaven and earth, and He made this old world in which you and I live for a purpose. He formed it to be inhabited. Yeah, I don't know about other places out in the universe. Sometimes people want to have debates about whether or not there's life on any other planet in the universe. I don't know. 
That's God's business. But I know one thing. He made this little globe that's spinning out here in space like a tiny speck to be inhabited by man. He formed it. He patterned it. He created it. He designed it for the benefit of mankind. He formed it for man to have as a habitation. He formed it, the prophet said, to be inhabited. My friend, there's just no God like the God that we read about in the Bible. As a matter of fact, over in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, and in the 12th verse, he talks about God again. And the 40th chapter of Isaiah is one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. But in the 12th verse, he said, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Now if you'll notice, that's a question. Verse 12 is a rather long passage, but, but it's a question. Who is it that has measured the water in the hall of his hand? Three-fourths of the earth is covered by water. Who, who determined that? And who meted out the heaven with a span? Who put the sun and the moon, their distances away from the earth? Who comprehended the dirt, dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and, and the hills and the ballast? Who did that? And the answer is God. The very first verse of our Bible tells us, In the beginning God. There's no God that can compare with the God of the Bible so far as His existence is concerned. There's never been a time that God did not exist. He is the uncaused cause. He is a God who inhabits eternity. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 he is a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Psalms chapter 90, verses 1 and 2. In John, the first chapter, it was, John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. There's never been a time that God Almighty did not exist. He is before all things. By him all things consist, is said of Jesus, who was God in the flesh, John 1 and verse number 14. In John 8, 58, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. And the great I am has always been. God created this old world to be inhabited. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word, those words in the beginning, God stand like an archway at the beginning of the universe. In the beginning of the Bible, you have God. In the beginning of man, there is God. In the beginning of the universe, there is God. In the beginning of sin, in our world, God was in, it was in existent at that was existent at that time. In the beginning of salvation from sin. There was God in the beginning God. He created the heavens and He created the earth through His power. 
Hebrews 11 and 3 tells us, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God through his mighty power created everything that exists in our world today. He is the, create, the great creator. It was Herbert Spencer who said that everything that exists in our world is composed of five basic things, time, force, action, space, and matter. Mr. Spencer thought that he had disproved God. But actually, what Mr. Spencer believed is found in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, there's your time. God, there's your force. Created, there's the action. The heavens, there's your space. Uh, the heavens, and there's your space. And the earth, there's your matter. So the very first verse of the Bible tells us about action, force, space, the heavens, the earth, all of these things that Mr. Spencer talked about are found in the very first verse of your Bible. God Almighty created it all. He is uncaused, but He is the one who caused everything to be. Someone has given this definition of God, the uncaused cause, that He's the unmoved mover. Something has always existed. Can you conceive in your mind, in your wildest dreams, a time when there was absolutely nothing? Not even a speck of dust. I can't even begin to imagine that. I can't begin to even think about a time when there was absolutely nothing. So something has always existed. Now that something that has always existed is either intelligence, that is mind, or it is matter. Now which is it? Of course, those who espouse the theory of evolution would tell us that matter is eternal. But is that true? Let, let me ask you a question. Does It takes intelligence to create. I, I have a watch on my wrist and and that watch presupposes a watchmaker. The watch did not make the watchmaker. The watch is matter. It took intelligence to make the watch. I have a ring on my finger. And that suggests that there's a jeweler who made that ring and put it together. The ring didn't make the jeweler. The jeweler made the ring. And God is the mind, the intelligence that has always existed that has caused everything that we see in our world to be. In Psalms 19 and 1, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Everything we see in our world came from the mighty hand of God. Let me read a passage to you from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 3 and verse 4. Every house is builded by some man. Now that's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you have a house, somebody built it. I'm standing here in front of some bookshelves. 
and they're filled with books. Someone built those bookshelves. Someone printed those books. Just suppose I were to tell you that what well, one day I came to my office and, and all of a sudden that there was a, a puff of smoke and a an ex tiny explosion and, and those bookshelves just appeared right here behind me all of a sudden. Well, you, you'd say, now, Brother Lambert, you, you've lost your mind if you believe that. Well, you know, I'd have to agree with you. If I believed that, I think I would have lost my mind. Because, you see, those bookshelves that are behind me suggest that someone built them. There was a designer, there was a builder that built those shelves. They didn't just happen like that. Hebrews 3 and 4 says, Every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. God made everything that exists in our world today. You know, if you have a a, a poem, there must be a poet. And it is the poet with intelligence, with mind, that creates the poem. Our world is in effect. And there must be something that has caused our world to be. For every effect, there is a cause. And God is the original cause. He is the uncaused cause. Everything has been created by God Almighty. And that's why I say you, to you, there is no God like the God of heaven. There is no God like Jehovah God. Just suppose a man in an airplane is flying out over the ocean. And so he radios back to the tower, I've just flown over an island that's not on my chart. I don't see it anywhere. It, it's, it's never been discovered before. And, and so they radio back and say, well, fly over it and see if there's anyone living there. So he takes the plane, he turns around, he comes back and he flies as low over that little island as he can, almost down to the tops of the palm trees. And this is what he tells them back at the tower. Well, there's a little house down there, a little cottage. It's a beautiful cottage. Has shutters on the windows. There are flowers that are growing along the front of the house and there's a little sidewalk out to in front of the house. And in the backyard of this house, there's a garden growing. It's really a beautiful setting. Now let me ask you, when they ask the man, is there anyone living there, what is he going to say? Is he going to say, well, you know, it's just blind chance that that house is there. It's just blind chance that those flowers are growing along front of the house and the sidewalk is there, the little garden out in the back. All of that is a result of blind chance. Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, again, I'd have to say, if you believe that, then... Then, then there's something wrong. And, you know, I'd have to agree with you because every house is built by some man. What the pilot will have to do is say, yes, there's someone living here. There are signs of life here. There are signs of intelligence there. There are signs that there are some people that have been on this island. 
because there's a house and there's a garden and, and there are the flowers and there's the sidewalk that someone built. And when we look at the world around us in which you and I live, well, when we look at the universe in which you and I live, and we see the design of our world, the design of the human body, the design of, of the universe in which we live, all of that design presupposes a designer and that designer is God. That's why the psalmist said that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows the handiwork of God Almighty. No, there is no God like the God of the Bible. He is the architect of our universe. When I think about our galaxy in which we live and I think about the universe, I think about all of the space that is beyond our galaxy, it, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I, I was reading a book the other day about God and how God made everything and the design and the world. And the, the author of the book used this illustration. He said if you were to make one little dot and measure an inch and make another little dot and let the distance between those two dots be equivalent to the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 93 million miles. And then if you were to measure the distance from the sun to the nearest star, you would have to measure four miles. I can't imagine that, can you? I can't conceive of that distance in my mind. But we live in a vast universe. Our galaxy in which we live is so vast that it's absolutely mind-boggling. But I want you to know that God made all of that. And God is the one who sustains us on this earth. You see, we read from the book of Isaiah that He built the earth to be inhabited. But He sustains us while we're on this earth. Acts 17, 28, and says that in Him we live, move, and have our very being. God takes care of us while we're living here on this earth. He didn't put us on this earth and then go off and leave us to just make it for on our own, but God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble, Isaiah, uh, Psalms rather, uh, 46 in verse 1. And so God is a God who cares. He casting all of your care upon Him. But I want, you to t I want to tell you something else about the God we read about in the Bible. He's able he is an able God, a very capable God. But God is able to save us from our sins. Hebrews 7, 25 says He's able to save to the uttermost all of them that come unto God by Him. And so God is able to save us. Well, whom will He save? Some people think the only people that God will save are those who are the upper class people of life or the or that God is just going to save people who are a particular, have a particular pigment in their skin, or, or people who live in a particular part of the world. 
But that's not the God of the Bible. He's able to save all men everywhere from their sins. He is able to do that. In Acts the 10th chapter, verses 34 and 35, when Peter came to the house of Cornelius and, and, and Cornelius wanted to fall down and began to worship Peter and, and Peter said, I want you to stand up because I'm just a man. Don't, don't worship me. And this is what Peter said, I perceive of a truth that, that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So regardless of where you live, regardless of color of your skin, regardless of what you have or don't have, I want you to know that God is able to save you. Not only is He able to save you, He wants to save you. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says that He would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And of course, for men to be saved, they must come to a knowledge of the truth. They, they need to come to the knowledge of the truth about Jesus, that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they must believe that truth. John 8, 24. Men must come to a knowledge of the truth about sin, that, that sin can cause us to lose our souls, and hence we must turn away from it and, and repent of our sins, Luke 13 and 3. They need to come to a knowledge of the truth about our acknowledging Jesus to be the Christ, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. They need to come to the knowledge of the truth about how one gets into Christ where salvation is found. Galatians 3, 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So we're baptized into Jesus Christ. I want to know, my friend, where are you today? God can save you. Oh, what a great God He is. He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I would urge you to commit your very soul to Him unto the day of judgment. Are you a Christian today? Become one, please. May I urge you, there is no God like the God of the Bible. If you have not yet called for the free Bible correspondence course, in these closing moments, may I urge you to do so. Also, may I invite you to attend the Church of Christ in your community, the one that might be nearest to you, and be, if there is none there, call us. We will give you the address of the nearest one to you. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, 
right to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.